This is lesson 33 in the book, study of the book of Romans. We're in the middle of chapter 10. We're going to finish these first 13 verses today. And of these first 13 verses are eight statements that are linked together by the word for. And each of these statements are proofs of the previous statement. He'll say something like, uh, he'll say something and then he'll say for and he'll offer another proof. And then he'll say for and he'll offer another proof. So these eight statements are linked. And if you want to understand these statements, they must remain linked. They're linked together by something else, if you haven't noticed yet. They're also linked together by this word heart. To a lesser degree, the word confess. And as we go through today, keep your eye on this word heart because it occurs many times and it helps links all these passages together as well. Paul is proving with these statements that God is not through with the Jewish people, but sadly, they miss the righteousness of God found in the Torah by not pursuing Torah through faith. Instead, they pursued it through works of the law. And even though they miss the righteousness that's found in through faith in the Messiah, Yeshua is not done with them yet. So we're going to start with verse 1 and just quick review through because these are so linked together, I don't know where you could pick up in any one place. Verse 1 says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. And so they miss the righteousness found in the Torah. And Paul says, brothers, it's still my heart's desire that they be saved. In other words, it's his desire, and we could be translate, that, translate that word desire, purpose. Is that they find the righteousness found in the Torah. A righteousness that is by faith in the Messiah Yeshua. He spent much of chapter 9 telling us that that's God's desire as well. So now he begins with eight statements that are really inseparable that will tell us why they are loved, why they miss the righteousness found in the Torah. What is the righteousness that's found in the Torah and how can one find it? One, how can one accept it? And not just that, but the word of faith, as Paul puts it, that he is preaching is not just... Is, is, this word of faith, as Paul puts it, is the same word of faith that Moses taught in the Torah. And so Paul quotes Torah to show that. So the first four tells us why they're loved and why they missed the righteousness found in the Torah. It says in verse 2, For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. The first reason is they have the same love and zeal for God as we do, he's saying. And when I say as we do, I mean those who are in Messiah. Those who trust in Messiah. However, they don't have the knowledge that those who are in Messiah do. The knowledge being, of course, that Yeshua is the true way to right standing with God. As Yeshua said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They don't have the knowledge that the life, death, and resurrection of Yeshua is God's method of declaring one righteous. The Torah makes us aware of sin and the need for sacrifice for that sin. Yeshua provided that sacrifice. And so they missed God's righteousness and why 
is now the next four. For he says in verse three, four, not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. They did not find the righteousness in the Torah because the only way to be found righteous is by faith and specifically faith in Messiah Yeshua. As Habakkuk says, the righteous shall live by faith. Abraham was declared righteous by faith. Jacob, Isaac, David were all declared righteous by faith. And we could go on and on and on because it's the only way to be declared righteous. Instead of faith in the redemptive work of Messiah, they focused on keeping Torah and specifically keeping it by their own works of the law. God wants us to live lives of faith like Abraham and not rely on a system of Torah observance. Their own works of the Torah or their own works of the law were additional laws established by the rabbis to keep from violating God's Torah. They were sincere. They loved God. They had a zeal for God. And you can see that in the meticulous way the the Pharisees kept Torah. But they failed to see the next four. He says, For Messiah is the goal of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. You see, they failed to see that Messiah is the goal of the Torah. It is Messiah Yeshua and his redemptive work that the Torah points to. Every offering teaches of the Messiah. Every festival that God gave teaches of the Messiah and the redemptive work of Messiah. The Sabbath teaches us of his kingdom on earth. Each and every story has Messiah at the root. The flood. Abraham walking with God on the way to Sodom. Abraham's son being born under impossible circumstances to a woman who was beyond childbearing age. A shadow of Messiah being born of a virgin. The offering of Isaac, a shadow of the offering of Yeshua. Jacob wrestling with God's messenger. The Passover, all a shadow of the Messiah Yeshua. The faith of Abraham being credited to him as righteousness, all pointing to Messiah. Faith in him, and faith in him making you righteous. You see, the Messiah is the point of the Torah. He's the one prophesied there. And not just that. His life on earth was given to teach us how to walk out God's instruction in our journey through life. He came to fulfill the Torah, to fill it up with meaning. To show us how to walk out the commands of the Torah with the compassion of God, with the mercy of God, with the forgiveness of God, and with the love of God. He came that we might walk in His footsteps and live lives that are righteous. I like to look at it this way. The Pharisees had their works of the law. The Sadducees had their works of the law. The Essenes had their works of the law. And the rabbis have their works of the law today. But Yeshua is God's work of the law. It's it's God's works of the law. Follow in his footsteps and you'll keep the Torah perfectly as he did. Amen? Amen? Now next to prove that Messiah is the goal of the law, he says, for Messiah writes, That the man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that righteousness. And the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. 
Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Messiah down, or who will descend to the abyss, that is to bring Messiah up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Yeshua as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is Paul's commentary on these verses from, uh, in the Torah. It's commentary on the Torah. And he's showing that Messiah is the goal of the Torah, the righteousness found within the Torah, that Messiah is the one through whose guidance we all can live righteous lives by God's Torah. He says, Moses writes that a man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that righteousness. And so he's saying that the man who knows God, who loves God, who desires to please God, and knows his Torah, will live by his Torah. You see, the Torah is filled with righteous living, living by God's righteous standards. It's his instructions on how to live righteous lives. It lets you know when your behavior has fallen below God's standards. We have the instructions given by God, and the righteous man will do those things. There's no question about that. But the question is, how will he do those things? The commands of the Torah need further instruction. So will he do it by a system of works taught by other men? Or will he do it by faith as Abraham lived? Faith and relationship with God is how Abraham lived. And all righteousness is based on faith. As Habakkuk said in chapter 2, verse 4, the righteous will live by his faith. The righteous will live by faith. And God tells us what righteousness is in the Torah. He tells us flat out. He says this in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 8. Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? The Torah is God's righteous statutes and judgments. And the way to follow those things is through faith in Messiah Yeshua. And that's what he's going to tell us next, how it's done. And he does it by this series of heart statements that form another chain, another string of truths about the heart and faith. Let's uh, put verses 5 through 9 back up there again. So I, as I do commentary on them, you can see them. And, and I put some definitions in parentheses and in caps. We read how in verse 4, Messiah is the goal of the Torah. And he says a righteous man will live by the righteousness of the law. And then he tells us how to do that. He says the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Messiah down, or who will send to the, uh, descend to the abyss, that is to bring Messiah up from the dead. But what does it say? The Word. Who's the Word made flesh? The Word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Yeshua as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The righteous will live by faith. And as he will say in a moment, that faith originates right here in your heart. 
as he will say in verse 10, with the, with the heart a person believes. With the heart a person has faith. And so he quotes Torah. And what does Moses say? He says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven. So Moses says, faith does not rely on works or another man's teaching. Do not say who will ascend to heaven. This is a point Paul has made over and over. Paul is showing us that Moses and that he taught the same thing. Then he says, who will descend to the depths? The same thing. Not by works, not by some other man's teaching, but by faith. You see, Paul and Moses are on the same page. How do we find the righteousness that's found in the Torah? Not by man, because Moses says, the word is near you. The word is Messiah. And the goal for righteous living found in the Torah. He's near you. He's in your heart. That's the word of faith. Confess with your mouth. That Yeshua is Lord. In other words, he's your master, he's your teacher, he's your sovereign. And believe in your heart that he's alive, that he was raised to new life. And you'll be saved. And you'll have the righteousness of God guiding you through life. Faith in the redemptive work of the risen Messiah Yeshua will put the living word, the Torah fulfilled in your heart. And if he's in your heart, then out of your heart the mouth will speak. And actions originate. Paul and Moses are saying that keeping the righteous requirements in the law is not difficult. If you have faith in Messiah Yeshua. Don't say it's in heaven that one should bring down understanding of it. There's no faith in that. That's works of the law. Having someone ascend for you. Faith says Messiah Yeshua already ascended to heaven and came down and taught us how to live. He's the one to follow. Do not say in your heart who will descend to the abyss to bring understanding up. There's no faith in that. That's works of the law again. But faith says Messiah already descended and has been resurrected. And now he can live in your heart. Faith says he's come down, he's risen And he's the living word. He's the word of faith that we preach. Messiah in your heart. Now for the part of the statement that we did not spend a whole lot of time with last week. He says next, he says, For if you confess with your mouth Yeshua as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now we spoke about verses being taken out of context in this section and how how they lead people down wrong paths. Well, let me just say, after Christ is the end of the law, this would be the next verse in line. There's no one in this room probably, and more than likely, uh, not many people in the church that do not have this verse memorized. You hear it quoted by Christians all the time. But of everyone who quotes it, I can guarantee you that few, if hardly any, can quote that with, and tell me what verse came before and after. You see, because it's taken out of context. The reason is this verse and verses like Christ is the end of the law are staples in the church. We learn them not from reading them in their context, but from hearing some preacher quote it and put it into his own context. And they read them 
with their own misguided truths and they lead them, read them alone without the verses that make the complete truth. And so they twist them to make them say what they want them to say. Well, as we see, this is a section. You can't remove any one piece. You can't do that. He just went through four verses telling us what faith in Messiah will do for you that it will cause you to walk according to the righteousness found in the Torah. Why? Because unlike those who unsuccessfully try to obtain righteousness through works of the law, those who have faith in Messiah Yeshua have the word near them. In their mouth, in their hearts. And he tells us how to do that. He says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you'll be saved. You see, he's not finished with these hard statements. You can't take this thing apart. You have to read it as a section. If you do, you're going to miss it. You see, he's not speaking. I'm going to tell you something right now. He's not speaking of those who took five minutes on some street corner once repeating after someone else, some well-meaning, misguided evangelist, the sinner's prayer. That's not what he's talking about here. That is not the Great Commission. The Great Commission was to make disciples, not get people to say, I believe in Jesus. He's speaking of someone who believes in his heart that God raised Yeshua from the dead. That he can live in your heart. That he can guide you in life. That he can free you of the condemnation of the Torah. And live a righteous life. And he does that because he believes. Listen to verse 10. He says, For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Let's look at what it means to Paul. You know, the average street corner salvation goes something like this. Let's say this prayer together, son. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you into my heart and life. And I I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. That's all true. And then we say to them, here, have some tracks. Or maybe we even give them a Bible or both, which they take home and put on a shelf. And the evangelist goes home thinking, what a wonderful thing he did today. And the one who said the prayer goes back to living just the way he lived when he, before he said the prayer. Because he doesn't even know what turning from sin means. He doesn't know what Messiah in your heart means. What Messiah in your life means. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that if you ask the street evangelist who led him in the sinner's prayer, he doesn't know what sin is. He can't tell you what John declares sin is. Sin is clearly stated in the Bible. It's a violation of God's law. His Torah. So the question is, does that constitute... Let me just ask you. Does anybody think that that really constitutes believing in your heart? If nothing else happens in that person's life, do you really believe that he's saved? Well, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't stake my eternity on it. You see, that is not what believing according to the Bible means. That's not what you're supposed to have in your heart. If you look at the Bible, you can find out what it means to believe, what Paul thought what it means to believe. 
And all we have to do is look in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. It says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So we're told that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as a righteousness. So we have an example of what it means to believe. You want to be declared righteous? Look at Abraham's life. Right? In other words, Abraham was justified before God because he believed. All we have to do is find out what did Abraham's life look like and then we'll understand what it means to believe. And we don't have to do a lot of work because Yaakov, Yeshua's brother, who we call James, worked for us. He did it for us. He tells us the meaning of believing as far as actions in the life of Abraham. Listen to what he says in chapter 2, verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac on the... His, his son on the altar. You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the story of Abraham believing he meant believe to the degree that Abraham put his own son on the altar. And he was ready to take his life, to slay him, to burn him and never see him again. Well, again, we don't have to look too far because the writer of Hebrews tells us why he did that. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17 says, And Abraham, by faith... Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. You see, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. He just didn't say some... uh, Uh, Repeat after some evangelist the sinner's prayer. He lived his life according to what he believed. As an example, I'm going to tell you something. Do you think if you believe that it's going to snow tomorrow, that it's going to be 40 below zero, that you're going to pack, do you think you'll go home today and pack a picnic lunch and put on your bathing suit tomorrow morning and head for Lake Calhoun? Of course not. You're going to live your life according to what you believe. As James says, Abraham's actions lined up with his belief. And let me tell you something. They always do. You want to know what a person believes? Watch what they do, not what they say. Watch what they do. What does it mean to confess with your mouth? Well, again, we need only have to look at what the word confess means in the Bible. What does it mean in the Bible? And again, we only have to look at the life of Abraham. What did Abraham believe? That Isaac was the son of the promise to make Abraham's offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. So if God asked him to offer his son to kill his son, then because of this promise, he would resurrect him or he would offer a substitute or something because he had promised him through Isaac, your offspring will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And what did he confess? Genesis chapter 22, verse 3 says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, 
With him he took two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship God and we will come back. He tells his servants what he knows to be true. He confessed with his mouth what he believed, that his son will return. Because that is the one, that's what God, the one who he believes in, told him. And when he was confronted by Isaac, what did he do? He confessed with his mouth again. Listen to what he says to Isaac. In verse 7, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Abraham believed to the degree that he offered his son And yet all the way up the mountain with every footstep he took, he confessed what he believed with his mouth. So let's read our verses again in that context with that understanding. Verses 8 through 10. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Yeshua as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. If you believe, you believe resulting in righteousness and justification, that belief will be evident in your actions. And then it says, with the mouth he confesses. What is, it, what is confession? Why did he use that word, confession? Do you suppose he means that he, we're going to run around from street corner to street corner giving out tracts saying Yeshua is Lord? Well, maybe. And many do that. But that's not what the word confession means in this instance. If that's what he wanted to do, he would have used the word for preaching in the Greek, kaiuso, kairuso. To preach. He's going to use it later in the chapter. Not so here though. He uses the Greek word for confession. Confession means some action has taken place that needs to be accounted for. If you confess you did something. Or you confess something you are. Or you can confess the reason for your actions. If we go back to Abraham. He believed God. When God said it's through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned, then later as he walks up the mountain, Isaac asks him, where is the lamb? And he confesses his belief to his son. God himself will provide the lamb. In other words, God is my Lord, my master. This is what he told me. He'll provide a lamb. So if we put that into what Paul says, believe in your heart as Abraham believed... It will be evident in your life as it was in Abraham's actions. And when you are asked by someone about the changes in your life, how come you no longer do drugs? How come you no longer drink? How come you no longer do this or that? When you're asked about the changes in your life and the changes in your actions, 
You'll confess Yeshua is Lord, your master, the one who directs your life, the one who changed you, and you'll be saved. That's everyone's responsibility. That's the good news heard and obeyed. We are to live lives that are different from the rest of the world around us. And when asked why we live the way we do, it opens the door for us to declare Yeshua to the world. To confess that it's not us. I'm not this kind. I'm not compassionate. I'm not full of love. But it's Messiah Yeshua working through me, changing me from faith to faith. He's the master of my life. Believe in your heart, as James says, faith is working with your deeds and confess that it's Yeshua, Messiah Yeshua working in you and you'll be saved. And that word saved means healed morally, physically, the whole banana, spiritually. You confess that the word is near you, it's in your heart. That he's your master. In other words, he's your teacher. And everything he teaches, everything he says is yes and amen. Confessing that every good thing in your life, every action that is good is because of your master, your teacher. Confession results in your salvation. And again, that means rescued morally and physically. And we can mean that, we can take that to mean that it results in your salvation and most certainly does but it also results in the salvation of others. Because when your faith and works are controlled by the Messiah and when you're led by the Spirit, people will want to know why you're different. What's different about you? They'll see the love, the joy, the peace in your life and they'll want the same thing. And when, ask, when they ask you, then you confess it's Messiah Yeshua and it will result in their salvation. My goodness, this is really easy, isn't it? This is the good news, folks. With that, let's move on to the next four. Finally, we get to these last four, three fours. And they get, he gives them to us in shotgun fashion. So they're really closely linked together. For Scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does he mean by call? He just told us, confess and believe. That's what it means to, be, to call on the name of the Lord. And we have two quotes here from the prophets. One from Joel chapter 2 verse 32 and one from Isaiah 28 16. Does that sound familiar? It should because it ties this whole section together. Remember how he ended chapter 9? Huh? Let's read it again, verse 33. It says, As it is written, See, I lay a stone in Zion that causes, that causes men to stumble, a rock that makes them fall, and the one who trusts in him will never be disappointed. He ended chapter 9 with Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen, and he ends this section with Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen telling us that those who believe in their hearts and confess with their mouths will not be disappointed. Binding this whole section together. Was Abraham disappointed? Did his confession to his son fail? 
Did God keep his promise? Heaven forbid that he didn't. You see, there's no distinction between Jew or Greek. Everyone puts his pants on the same way, one leg at a time. And those two legs we stand on are believe and confess. Believe in who? The Jews he's referring to already believe in the God of Israel, but the God of Israel said, you must believe in my son. You must believe and call on the Son of God. And that's the knowledge they missed. So he's led him down this garden path. We're walking down this garden path with Paul. And here's the garden path. Here's how it goes. God loves Israel. Why? Because Israel loves God. But their love is not based on knowledge, that, on the knowledge that God sent his son to redeem Israel and to give them a pattern to live by so that they can truly walk out the commands of God. They missed the fact that Messiah died and God raised him from the dead so that the Torah and the righteousness found within its pages could be near them and in their heart. So near them that it would be on their hearts. And not just Israel, but Jew and Greek alike. That's the good news. And now the other shoe. There's always another shoe with Paul, right? He's addressing their alienation of and from the Jewish people, remember? They've been alienated. After a five-year separation, the connection between Jew and Greek has been lost. And so after all of this, he says, How then will they call on him to whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And again, Paul must have some beautiful feet. Because he sure laid out the good news for us. That's the other shoe beginning to drop. As Paul will now start to get to the real purpose of the letter in chapters 11 through 14. But we don't have time to go through these verses today, so we'll pick up here next week.